Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Hour number two of Oilers now. Bob Stoffer at Rogers Place. Tonight is Fan Appreciation Night. And man, do the Oilers have great fans. We know that. Uh, Edmonton seven points out, six games left. It's going to be tough. Have to run the table and get some help. And uh, Colorado made it that much more difficult last night after beating the Vegas Golden Knights. The second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. Now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at digitex.ca. You can text us on our Hartford and Ford text line. With over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory, they're one of the largest Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford in Fort Saskatchewan. Every Thursday in Oilers now, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. He has fast become one of our most popular guests here on Oilers now. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show... Longtime NHL executive, now with NHL Hockey on Rogers, Brian Burke. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Uh, not bad. I'm watching this provincial election with some interest. Of course, our team is called the Oilers. So I think, you know, you and me, I actually saw you. I think, I don't know if you tweeted it or said it, but uh, we share a, a similar approach. Some would say a, a civil libertarian approach, but uh, fiscal conservative, social liberal. That's tough to do at times, isn't it? Yes, it's very hard to figure out what side of a, a fence you stand on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All righty. Uh, enough politics, then. Let's get right to it. Tell us about the uh, politics, because you've been in both chairs. You've represented players before, and then you've negotiated with agents before. And I'm, I'm going to give you a guy that, uh, in full disclosure, uh, I don't help him in terms of recruiting players at all, but I... I usually do at least one, if not two, media sessions a year with his players. Jerry Johansson out of Edmonton with the Sports Corporation. And my experience with Jerry is he's uh, he's he's an easygoing guy that's looking for a win-win. He wants to win for his client, but he wants the organization to win as well. 
And as a result, he I, I get the sense when I've talked to managers around the league that he doesn't make you feel bad about the deal when it's done. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you cut a deal with your guy and you know the guy is just relentless until he gets every last cent out of him. So is there an advantage to being a good guy as an agent, an easygoing guy, an agreeable guy, a people pleaser as an agent from a manager's perspective? Oh, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Well, first off, I don't know Jerry well, but what my limited dealings I had with him, I would agree, were very professional. Um, I was impressed with him. I am impressed with him. Um, I haven't done player contracts for a long time. I personally do not think it's a good use of a general manager's time. Well, the average contract, oh yeah, the average contract could take anywhere from 10 hours to 50 hours, and much of it's wasted time, much of it's positioning. The agent uh, puts, you know, he says, I, I want to be at the 50-yard line when we all know the comparables are he should be at the 30-yard line, and so you spend a month getting to where the goalpost should have begun. So I don't think it's a good use of their time at all. I think it creates hard feelings between the player and the I did every contract for Pat Quinn, except Larry Onov and Krutov, because Pat went overseas and did those. I did every single contract other than that. And that way, Pat stayed out of the line of fire. I took whatever heat was in the media. If they said we were lowballing a guy or whatever, they were they dump on me and not the GM. And Pat could spend that time finding players and not grinding with some agents. So mm. I haven't spent much time on contracts the last few years, nor do I regret that I... I wish I had. In other words, what you're seeing is that's one of the more monotonous part of the job. Well, just, okay, so you wake up today. What's what's the best use of your time? So, for example, yep. I, used to fix, I used to fix things in my house. Now I call a guy because I don't think it's the best use of my time. I can still do it, but it would take me like four hours to hang four pictures because that's how inept I've become over time. And so I can do it, but it would take four hours of my time. I'd rather pay someone to do it. And I do something like this. So it's a use of your time. As a GM, you only got 24 hours in the day. Awesome. Your prime, your primary goal is getting the best 20 players you can get on the ice. I suggest that spending three hours grinding out player contracts is not a good use of your time. By the way, Brian, we share something else in common. My wife actually uh, sent a, a letter to the show Canada's Worst Handyman and nominated me for that opportunity. I have the exact same like. My dad could he could have done all that stuff when he was alive. I, I I'm so useless at it; it's unbelievable. All right. I, I can I can actually do most handiwork around the house. I just can't do it well or efficiently. There you go. Uh, so speaking of well and efficiently, you mentioned when Peter Shirelli was relieved of his duties as general managers that you believed what Edmonton needed was a president and a GM two separate positions, the president of hockey, because Peter was both the president and the GM here. Do you still believe that? No, I think, Bob, I'm going to correct you, which I haven't done yet on this show. I, what I said was it struck me that Bob Nicholson was quite interested in a bunch of the younger candidates. Right, yes. And I said, and yes. I said if they go that route, they should bring in a president of hockey operations as well. Brian, you can correct me anytime you want, okay? That is what you said. And so you're not moving off. So when you meet a younger candidate, do you mean a guy that has not been a GM yet? Yes, or a guy who had some brief tenure somewhere. But in general, I'm talking rookies, yeah. I don't think you can be a rookie in a Canadian market by yourself. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of people. Um, 
I personally am, and I'm not here to besmirch anybody, but I would be very lukewarm on Mike Gillis. Uh, his name's been mentioned, Dave Nonis. But it's not to say that you wouldn't talk to those guys to gather and glean as much information. Both of those individuals, I think Nonis, did he not re- replace you as GM in Vancouver and again in Toronto? Just thinking yeah. off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. b- both of those guys have had that experience of working in a Canadian market, and I, I, it is a little bit different, isn't it? Yes, it is. And then... Dave Nonis took over for me twice, both times with my blessing, both times having nothing to do with the decision to fire me. Okay. And I, I'm a big fan, and I would support him being a candidate there if they go with a younger guy, to have him as the gray-haired guy. He's put together some good teams. Uh, and you know what? My guess is, and I know Peter Shirelli's gone, but my guess is he would support Keith Gretzky. Well, I hope they talk to Keith Gretzky. I hope it's not a case of – I didn't know Keith well. Of course, I knew him to say hi to him. Right. See him a, he worked so bloody hard. I've been seeing him in rinks for 20 years, but I, I didn't know him well. And from getting ready for the show and texting with him and talking to him a couple times, yeah, I'm really impressed with him. So I hope, I hope he's not crossed off the list because of his last name. I hope that the the great last name Gretzky doesn't harm this guy because that's what I sense in the marketplace is they've got to clean out everything. It's an old boys' network. They got they got to get rid of everybody and. I've never cleaned house in my life when I went with a team. I gave everyone a chance. Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of a tired narrative, and I, knowing Peter Shirelli's personality, I, I, I think it's wrong. Like, I, I don't think those guys were sitting there hanging over Peter every step of the way, guiding him through the process. I, Peter was a pretty strong-minded fellow. Uh, and that said, one of the things that hurt Peter is he didn't have a secondary wave of prospects coming. And, Brian, allow me to suggest to you that I think partially because of the work that Peter and Keith did, the Oilers have got some secondary wave of prospects coming that can help s- support the upper tier of the roster that could make this job appealing. Yes, I agree with that. They do have some help coming. They've got good forwards and defense coming. Uh, the the young goaltender's been lights out, the, the kid from Air Force. So, yeah, I, I think they do have some help on the way. And it's like you're looking at the Flyers now. They got rid of Hextall and they crucified him and said he was inept and he was a bum. And all of a sudden they're saying, well, he left some pretty darn good young players here. It's not not a desert. It's actually, there's some light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah. Uh, You know, some trades didn't work out this year. That's part of the reason why. And the margins turned out to be, I think, tighter in the West than many envisioned. Um, Is there something to be stated, Brian? The Oilers are uh, 10-5-3 since they've had their defense healthy. And it's not a great defense. And I'd suggest to you it's not a great defense moving forward in the league because I think the league has really moved in a direction. They're a different type of deep, but they do have some experience there. And I think it's part and parcel why they have rung off a 10-5-3 run here of late. Oh, no question. And that's that's what I remember Keith Gretzky saying to me when we get Sakura back, it'll make a big difference, and it has. I mean, he's a good player, and it's made a difference. And they have put together a good run. I am afraid it's too late. Yeah, I they got too far to go and too many teams to jump. So where you've got to run the table and you need help, and you've got to leapfrog teams, that usually doesn't happen. No, it's, it is hard to do. We're joined right now by Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. Brian, um, the code, and I'm going to bring this up with Paul Byron because he's a pretty good hockey player. 
that's kind of resuscitated his career. He's a little bit on the ropes there for a while. In fact, I think you guys had him in Calgary. Anyhow, bottom line here is he's become a real important player for Montreal as the game has changed to his sort of player where, you know, smaller, quicker players can play. He landed a heavy shot and got challenged as a result of that. He took the challenge and he paid for it. Uh, his agent, Pat Morris, not happy with it. I think there's an inference maybe hockey has to change. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, the agent was J.P. Barry, and I wish J.P. Barry would shut his mouth. If this, if he'd have rep- represented Mackenzie Weger, he'd have had a real different tune to sing about when when Mackenzie Weger got run from behind by Paul Byron and put out for a few games. Yeah, I have no problem. This code allows a player to refuse a fight. If, if Paul Byron had said, "I'm not going," no one would have said a word about that. They would have said, "You, you owe the guy." Yeah, got to pay your tab when you get suspended, when you take a cheap shot of the guy, which it was. And Paul Byron played for me in Calgary. I love him. We made a mistake putting him on waivers. But I love Paul Byron, but that was a cheap shot. And in my world, you pay your tab. He should have fought smarter. He should have just hung on. Instead, he threw punches. And when the only way you cannot get beat in a fight is to not try to win the fight. If you try to win the fight, there's a good chance you're going to eat one, which is exactly what happened. So, to me, I have no problem with what happened. And I like J.P. Barry, too, but Christ's sake, shut up. If this was, if Weger was his client, he would have been whining a completely different thing. Alan Walsh and J.P. Barry, eh? <laughs> you know they're going to bring some heat once in a while. Uh, it's funny. Hey, did you ever, was there anybody in, in Vancouver that, I, I mean, I know that we heard stories about, I mean, Bill LaForge is from Edmonton, but he had the green light, the red light when he was in junior with guys. But when you ran the Canucks or along the way, were, were there players that you were, you told specific or in Anaheim when you had maybe the toughest team in the NHL? Were there certain times when go, guys were told, red light, you guys can't go in this situation? Well, there were, there were you know, like when we played uh, Minnesota, I told George Peros he couldn't, he could not fight Bugard, Derek Bugard. I said, you're out of your weight class. I watched him at Todd, and Todd Fedoric's career. I said, you are not allowed to fight him. And he didn't like it very much, but, you know, and so Bugard, so Derek said to him, are we going to go? And he said, I'm under orders. Okay. It's okay. I, I told other guys if, if they did, if they were going to play the way they played, you want to run around, you're going to have to fight once in a while. You're not starting a bunch of garbage for the rest of your teammates. Right. But in general, the players figured this all out. My teams were tough. There was more fighting back then. I heard this. I read this today or yesterday. Jeff Merrick told me this. You know how many guys are tied for the lead in fighting majors in the NHL? Five. You know how many they have? Seven. Six. Six, six. six fights. So they're they're fighting every fourteen games, and they're warriors. Yeah. So we have taken fighting. I don't want. I'm not. People listen to me talk about fighting. They're like, oh, you're a dinosaur. You want to go back to the 70s. No, I don't. We had three-hour games. We had bench-clearing bra. I don't want to go back to any of that. But a, a league that doesn't have a code, that doesn't have some honor in it, that doesn't have some accountability in it, count me out. Yeah. Well, and, and what ends up happening is, you know, we have a... The rats, the rats take over. Right. And then you're dependent upon how the guy manages the game. And some yep. refs call a game one way. Like Mark Jonette lets a lot go. Wes McCauley has a lot of control in a game. Very different experience watching, and I'm not trying to belittle Mark Jonette. Fact is, he lets a lot go. So if you got a player that 
in theory should, and the Oilers do have a guy that in theory should draw a lot of calls. Sometimes it gets frustrated when said individual works games, and then the player gets frustrated and feels he has to please himself, and maybe that's not quite his game. Anyhow, I, I, I wanted to get some thoughts on the whole situation with Byron because I found that uh, quite interesting, and there, there was... You never know who can fight and who can't. Like, I'll give you an example. Did you see Jordan Everly's fight from about two weeks ago? Yeah. He's, he looked like a guy that knew how to fight. Yeah. Like, I, I did not know that he had that in him. Nor did I. Like, I mean, that was not a guy that was scared. To, like, he basically just stood back. He's fighting Travis Konechny, who I did see fight in junior when I was in Ottawa one time to see the 67s play. All righty. Uh, we're joined by Brian Burke uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Brian, does the NHL need to tra- uh, change its uh, – this is this is the NHL, right? And we're always looking to improve the league. Is there anything wrong with the current playoff format? Yes. Okay, go for it. Tell us why. It should be one through eight in the east, one through eight in the west, and reseed after each round. So you'd have the team with the best regular season record gets the best draw to advance. They get the lowest ranked team. It places the greatest value on the regular season. And then you reseed each time. There's no brackets. The best team that survives gets the worst team that survives. So you're always rewarding the regular season. You're making it of vital importance. That's how we make our money in this league. And to me, the way we do it is, is totally flawed. And you're getting matchups. You're getting good teams knocked out now that don't deserve to get knocked out. And so when you mean that, you're obviously – I think Toronto can beat Boston for the record, and I know how good the Bruins are, and they do a lot of good things, but I saw Mike Babcock win at the University of Lethbridge. If he can win there, uh, adding um, John Tavares and Jake Muzzin, uh, the Leafs could, I think, beat Boston, but that means a really good team would be out of the mixer. Yeah, I don't see why they're playing. And again, I haven't done the re- I haven't done the point seeding in the, in the East. I know in the West it doesn't change much, but if you want teams to truly try to excel in the regular season, then give them the best reward, which is the best playoff opponent every time they play in a round. The top team gets the weakest opponent every time they play. There's entirely too much thought and logic in that in that perspective, Brian. <laughs> this is- well, you know what? The NHL gets so much right. They have done such a great job. I admire the people that run this league. And they get mad when you go after one or two things, but this is not a small thing to me. This is, we've got this wrong and we should fix it. This is brackets because some certain segment of our fan base like brackets. I think the broadcasters like brackets. Let's go back to the most equitable playoff system, which is one through eight. I'd like to do one through 16, but it's a logistical nightmare. Uh, we, we had Dave Lumley on yesterday because uh, on the heels of Ryan Nugent Hopkins getting a hat-trick and not being chosen first star, we had Dave tell a story about the game where he had three goals and six points against Minnesota, but Wayne had seven points, so Dave was just the second star. And we talked a bit about the 81, uh, going back to the 81 playoffs, and that's when they had one through 16. And the Oilers didn't think they were going to get Montreal, and they ended up getting Montreal, and Slats told them after a concert, and the boys were all bummed out and then turned around and beat the Canadians the three straight. So, it, it, I mean, that was a pretty memorable situation, but it would be a logistical nightmare. I mean, you could have, I mean, in theory, you know, if, if the Oilers were to make it, say, next season, Edmonton against Carolina, 
don't know if that does the league. You know what I'm saying here? Or Edmonton against Tampa, whatever. It, yeah. It, so you want to keep it west, uh, west to west, east east. Final yep. one for you. When you guys uh, were at the draft in 2014, where were you in 2014? 2014, uh, Calgary. Calgary. That's what I thought. 2014 draft. You, you got. You're sitting there wondering where you're going to get Reinhardt, where you're going to get Drysaddle, where you're going to get Sam Bennett. Did you think Leon Drysaddle could be a 50 goal scorer in that draft year? Oh, I, I would be, I'd be exaggerating to say 50, but we loved them. We spent a lot of time with them. I took them out. Trilliving and I took them out for dinner before the draft. We thought, you know, we weren't sure if he dropped us or not. We loved Sam Bennett. But we love Drysaddle, and uh, we're really happy the way the sequence came down. Sam Bennett's worked out great, but Leon's a good player and a good guy. He's having a great year. It's unbelievable. Brian, we appreciate your time. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Bob. Take you, care. You bet. That's Brian Burke from NHL Hockey on Rogers, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Power Pack. This is Oilers Now. We'll step out and get back with NHL today. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, AJ has texted the show at 630, 630 on our Heartland Ford text line. Hey, Bob, I understand why players and management types want to change the playoff format, but I disagree. Bracket formats are proven fan favorites. With gambling playing a more prominent role in future years, reseeding after each round will hinder profitability. Also, as the rounds go on, it's proven only hardcore fans continue to stay engaged. Why would the NHL want to reduce interest in the opening rounds from AJ? Uh, Dean says, Bob, Brian Burke is a true NHL insider. And another, it's out of Calgary, by the way, that text coming in. Brian Burke, another texter out of Edmonton. Brian Burke's an awesome guest. Used to hate him, love him now. All right, let's uh, go to NHL today for elite promotional marketing. More than just sportswear, here's Brendan Escott. Thanks, Bob. Eight games on tonight's NHL schedule, including Montreal visiting Columbus, Ottawa hosts Florida, Winnipeg welcomes in the Islanders, and Vancouver is home to Los Angeles. Quinn Hughes expected to make his NHL debut in that one. Stars goaltender Ben Bishop left last night's game against Calgary with a lower body injury. The team recalled Landon Bow from the minors with no word yet on how much time Bishop could miss. Uh, meanwhile, the Sabres sent down Tage Thompson to the AHL's Rochester Americans. The former first-rounder mired in a 23-game goalless trout. Victor Olofsson got the call up in his place. And Boston University's Shane Bowers will forego his junior season and join the Colorado Avalanche, the 19-year-old acquired from Ottawa in that Matt Duchesne trade. Bakersfield Condors knocked off the Ontario Rain 5-2 last night. Benson, Hebig, and Jacob Stuckel all had two assists while Luke Esposito tallied two goals. They are on the road in San Diego tomorrow and home to San Jose on Saturday. And the Edmonton Oil Kings, they bounce back in a big way to tie their opening round series with Medicine Hat at two games apiece last night. That was a 5-1 road win with Vince Loschievo notching two goals and a helper. Game five back at Rogers Place tomorrow night, Bob. All righty, 129 at Edmonton off to a global news weather traffic update with Cassandra Jodwan back with Dallas Stars General Manager Jim Nill on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.